So our mission is to reduce cost and to amplify capacity so that virtually every market and individual users could come to us and get low-cost access to high-resolution imagery. That's the mission of Satellogic. We're standing by. Entry interface minus five minutes. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of the New Space Podcast. I'm your host, John Severance. Today we're talking to Mark Carmichael. He's the Senior Director of Business Development at Satellogic. Satellogic is a major player in the Earth observation market. Since 2010, they've been working on a single mission to make Earth observation data accessible to everyone. They achieved this goal in several strategic ways. So let's hear from Mark and jump right into the conversation. All right, Mark, thanks for coming on the show. Really great to have you. Yeah, thanks for asking me. All right, so Satellogic, a really cool company in the Earth observation space. I love your tagline, creating a searchable Earth. I think that's obviously a big concept, and that's something that you see a lot of interest in today. That happening from space, can you describe what Satellogic means by creating a searchable Earth? Yeah, absolutely. Satellogic is on a mission to democratize access to high resolution, so high quality remote sensing imagery. And the purpose of doing that is we want to make it easily accessible by a much bigger market so that we can overall grow the market instead of competing for the same pie that has existed and has been growing at a relatively slow rate for a long time. But when we get to this place of creating the searchable earth, we, we have to do a bunch of things. So we have to have very high capacity for collecting very large areas. And part of our mission is to actually get to a place where we're doing global daily remap at submeter resolution. And that's the resolution that the world needs. And that's the capacity that the world needs. What is submeter and why, why does that matter to get it down to that size? Yeah, so submeter is anything below one meter resolution. So we're delivering imagery at 70 centimeter resolution after super resolution. And we're moving to get to a place where we're at 30 centimeter resolution, ultimately. The reason why you need to have high resolution is that's the scale at which human activity occurs. So cars moving around, trucks and trains, construction, people aggregating in crowds or individuals walking around, things like that. And so our mission is to reduce cost and to amplify capacity so that virtually every market and individual users could come to us and get low cost access to high resolution imagery. That's the mission of Satellogic. And what type of imagery are your satellites collecting? Yeah, so we're collecting electro-optical. So optical pictures that humans can interpret. As you probably know, there's SAR and there's optical and many other ways to sense the earth, but optical gives you sort of ready-made pictures that intelligence analysts, financial analysts, mappers, cartographers, and others can use right out of the box. So what type of images or events are your customers typically tracking? Yeah. So, I mean, although our mission is all about creating this high capacity, low cost, democratized state, like where we are today, our satellites, they're all high resolution optical satellites delivering submeter imagery. And, uh, and so that constellation is on a constant path of iteration. 
The single large spacecraft would take 10 years to design, build, fund. In our case, our iteration is like a year or two and a new type of mission is up on orbit. And, and in fact, we have like four launches planned in the next 12-ish months, all on, on SpaceX rockets. So you can see the pace of innovation that's facilitated by that kind of a tempo is much higher, which is partly why I'm at Satellogic. It's super <laughs> exciting. And so once you've got this large constellation, it gives you higher revisit. And revisit is how many times can you see a target on the ground in a number of days or weeks or, or whatever the measurement is. So for us, we're delivering coverage of a particular target of interest. And what's exciting about that is now you can do things like monitor a port. So in the morning, you see the vessel is just arriving. In the afternoon or midday, you can see the vessel is being unloaded. The containers are going onto the dock. You might get another pass later in, in the afternoon. And then the next morning, you can watch the vessel being pulled off of the jetty by, by tugs. And then 45 minutes later, another image shows the vessel's gone. Like that kind of use case is so powerful and is not possible with traditional constellations of just a few satellites. So, so that does that, that unlock opens the door to not just defense customers, but to a lot of different kinds of customers. So like financial analyst companies who might want to monitor supply chain constrictions where they say one port is not act, operating at a certain capacity, why not? And what kinds of vessels are still going through that port? Now you could answer that question in a very detailed way. So of course, defense of target sites, missile sites, ports of interest, things like that are, are interesting, but also cross-queuing between modalities like RF or SAR to high-res optical for characterization of what's going on in the battle space. Yeah. What, what is your split between, let's say, your customer base being more defense-oriented and your customer base being more commercial-oriented? Yeah, I mean, I would say we're very focused on high frequency critical site monitoring as our primary business in the short term, because we're partway down our roadmap and we're going towards the global daily revisit. But in order to achieve that, you need more satellites. And so our mission is to grow and double the constellation, double it again, and et cetera, over the next few years. And so right now we're very focused and where I'm seeing, I work in the government division. So where I'm yeah, seeing yeah. a lot of opportunity is definitely in government high frequency monitoring. I, I would say that the, the market in general in the government monitoring world has definitely awoken to the small sat revolution in terms of large constellation, high revisit, many point targets. It's, it's a very exciting part of the market. And so one of the things we did recently, there was a press release where Satellogic and Palantir uh, signed a contract to do edge computing from space, where we basically put their algorithms on our spacecraft and extract objects on the fly while in, in orbit. And those kinds of interesting novel applications are opening interesting pathways for the future in terms of what could you do with that? Because if you had the right communication links, you could get instantaneous answers to where are all the tanks in Ukraine or, or something like that. It's a very exciting new field is edge computing. Yeah, just following on that thread, I, I want to definitely get into some of the use cases in both the government and the commercial space that you guys are serving. But thinking of your recent press release with the government of Albania, right? And you yeah. have this concept of a hosted payload. Yeah. So if a company, a division of a, let's say, uh 
defense agency or a country like Albania for that matter wants a space data capability, they can just partner with a company like Satellogic and get their their technology or their mission on board one of your satellites, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like we, we broke down our product offerings into three categories. So one is critical site monitoring. And that's somebody says, I want to buy a bunch of images. We provide them tasking campaign. And that's easy enough to understand. The middle one is called Constellation as a Service. That's what Albania bought. So what they got in the end was dedicated capacity on satellites while the satellites were over their country. And then we would do like collection of large scale mapping for them. And then also when the next Albania 1 and Albania 2, because they they got the rights to name two satellites come on, they would be the next generation for them also committed access for them. So for them, it's, it's excellent because if they wanted to go and raise the money for a small sad program and execute on requirements, design, build, launch, and then operate, it's years. It's not, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they have the capability to do it technically and, and the industry to support it, but they, the time is so different. Like one of the big trends that's also changing is I guess tied up with the third product offering, which I'll, I'll just mention briefly, but we call it responsive space and And it's basically, we're launching all these satellites all the time. They're iterating, getting better. They're industry proven because we've flown them for years and the iterations are based on the pedigree, right? So we're launching these spacecraft and we book the launches, which is another big constraint is takes a year to get a launch spot, but we've already Mm -hmm. booked them all. So then we're just basically selling those satellites right out of our portfolio of coming satellite launches. So now a a country who wants to have ownership of a satellite constellation just works with us and you could have it within within less than 12 months, basically. Just really depends on getting the uh, contract uh, arranged. So when you're, I would imagine when you said that Albania is just getting coverage over their nation and, you know, maybe that could be in other parts of the world too, but yeah, certainly not paying for the global orbit when you only need to be exactly looking in one place. Right. So yeah. it's interesting. You had like software as a service, you have cloud computing, and now you have constellation as a service. It's a really yeah. cool. I mean, <laughs> that's a sure sign of the commercialization of space. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, I mean, it, you're exactly right that if the country is a regional, like the, the certain countries don't need the capacity beyond their borders. And if they do, like we have an outlet for that too. So they just buy it ad hoc outside of the commitment. The, the constellation of the service part is all about getting dedicated control of the satellites over your, mm-hmm. over your country, which typically is what countries are after. So going back to this, your first service of critical site monitoring, can you share anything about maybe some of the locations or events that you're seeing that you're focused on, either you let's say your, your own thought leadership or your own discovery efforts or what your clients are focusing on that you can actually share? Yeah. Well, an obvious one that I can share is looking at Ukraine. So Satellogic's got this program called the Ukraine Observer that we coordinate with a company named Astrea. And essentially we're, we're hosting all of the data we've collected for humanitarian purposes through the Ukraine Observer Program. And so I've been watching that data closely, building use cases and, and things like that, but certainly watching the news. And, and just recently across Twitter came a bunch of satellogic imagery showing that the Russian forces had just recently withdrawn from the Kherson airport. 
where there's a lot of different sort of dug in fortifications dug into the earth. And then there used to be tanks and other vehicles um, in those dugouts. And now they're all they're all gone. So I don't know where they went, but I'm assuming either into Hurson itself, or I'm not sure where they go because you can't cross the bridges. So they're somewhere in, in that north side of the river, I suspect. But but that kind of that kind of event makes me super excited because seeing our data in Twitter and in the social media space and then seeing it obviously adding value was super exciting. Cool. So if if that data wasn't available, right? If your constellations weren't up there. What, I mean, it may be hard to 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 answer this, but what would be the typical pattern of making this discovery? Like, it would just might come a week later, or it would be yeah. it would be random versus, let's say, something that's being monitored. Or can you give some type of contrast to yeah how things used to be done in this case? Well, yeah, and I think how things are still done to this day. <laughs> NATO has the US as a major component and they have Europe as a major component and they have assets among them, national programs of the national technical means programs, but they also have the the commercial means like LMXR and Airbus. And those, those data sources go into NATO and then out from NATO may come some shared data, but the pace of sharing and the location of the data that was collected may not align with what is operationally needed on the ground in the Ukraine, for example. And so whether Kherson is getting monitored in all the right places, because you can, as the image footprint sizes of the very highest resolution satellites is only like 13 kilometers across or 14, depends on which one you're talking about, but not very big. So you have to focus where you're looking. And then this is where like a high revisit constellation comes in because you can look at a lot of places all the time, like in hundreds of sites across a country can be monitored very frequently. And that gives you that kind of intelligence. So, so it's a, it certainly will augment. And in a case where you don't have access to NATO's data feeds, which is many, many countries situation, this is a fantastic source of intelligence. Cool. So we talk a little bit more about the type of markets that you serve. Yeah. So on the commercial side of the house, there are we have a lot of partners who help do analytics. So our, our key focus right now is on providing high quality data service in particular and leveraging our partner network to, we have like over 50 partners already and uh, which is pretty astounding considering we kind of started like two years ago when the Constellation first started. And at the pace that I watch us adding analytics partners, it's pretty fast. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And those guys, those different analytics providers have real expertise in these fields. Like they do machine learning on agriculture. They do machine learning on defense object extraction. They, they do also like using other modalities like cell phone data and other things, mix it all together and tell a, that next level story. So, so I think the partners are a really important part of, of our family at Satellogic here. Yeah. So how do you bring the cost down? Yeah, so Satellogic is unique in the market in that we actually build everything on the spacecraft. So we we call ourselves vertically integrated satellite yeah. company, right? And so I I often get questions from people who want to sell us components for satellites. Like, do you need a a thruster? That was a good example for recently. And I was like, do we need a thruster? And they said, No, you <laughs> don't, because we build everything. And I'm like, seriously? 
And they said, yes. Yeah. So they, we basically buy wire, metal, base electronics, and we build our own boards and everything and build the entire spacecraft. And like, if you go look on our investor deck, you'll see how low cost the bill of materials is, is basically it's a hundred times cheaper. The traditional satellite was that achieves a similar capability. So that kind of cost reduction is what is enabling and powering Satellogic's business case to go and, and build the, the larger constellation. Like, like our plan is to get to over 200 satellites to be launched and then maintain that level to, to sustain our business. So the cost has to stay low. And even as we iterate on designs, we need to keep that cost structure and certainly that cost thinking. Like some components may be just more expensive, but it's that very low cost unit economics approach has to be maintained to, to support that business at that scale. You guys also collect recorded video. Recorded video, yes. What value does video add to the data mix? Yeah. Yeah, video is an interesting one. And other companies have, have dabbled in it in the past. I think where the value that it adds comes from is that it's kind of like when you have a, an Apple live picture. Instead of that one still frame, you see the motion. And in this case, you get a long clip of imagery that's, that's recorded as video. So you can understand context of cars moving, traffic, jams, aircraft, taxiing or taking off at an airbase in Bandar Abbas is a, is a great example of one of, the, one of the best examples I've seen. And in one video frame, you've got the aircraft taking off from the runway and you can characterize what the other, like there's two fighter jets and a C-130 and then you pan over to the hangars, you see cars driving between hangars. And then you pan over and there's an air defense radar and the radar panel is not turning. And so that gives you an indication of how ready is that site to defend itself? Is the air radar turning? I.e., Is it actively like doing air search or not? So with a single frame of an image, you couldn't tell that. You wouldn't be able to tell if the radar's turning. You don't know if the cars are like moving quickly or slowly or stopped and the aircraft as well like it may be on the taxiway but maybe it's broken there like in ukraine you see in saki air base it's unclear which aircraft are are damaged and can't move which is versus which ones are taxiing mm -hmm. is a video that you're so something that you're collecting alongside data it's a rule of thumb or is that like a special collection like okay let's turn video on in these certain areas so I imagine it's a lot more data than just images correct yeah yeah, I mean, our, our satellites have incredible storage capacity. I just found okay. out today, yeah. so we was like, we can collect a lot of, of of video, but the spacecraft is flying over at the same time, and so it's sort of a balance between the angle that the spacecraft is from the site, and then how much video can you collect in that pass. But it's something we do as a special program for, usually for defense customers, because it, it it is more costly to to provide. Yeah, I got it. So more more like as needed service, right? As, yeah, so, it's as needed. Yeah. So obviously the government of Albania, that makes sense, right? Why they would want to lease satellite capacity and technology versus build their own, right? Is it just a government thing? Yeah. So the hosted payload is another offering that's related to what I might lump in with responsive space. But what it means is on our spacecraft, we have a 2U uh, bay that is empty. 
And uh, it has power and it has connectivity for communications and commanding and downlink. And so a customer can bring their own sensor. And so we have, we've launched a number of like prototypes for different users. And it's basically a very low cost way to catch a ride to space with a fully operational spacecraft with tried and true. We've launched, we never had a, a system failure at launch. So very high success and, and then they can put their sensor on space and try it out. So one of the, the ones that we announced uh, earlier this summer, might've been June, was with Spiral Blue, where they're putting an edge compute on the spacecraft. So that's a GPU is in that bay and that's being used to do advanced analytics on the spacecraft. Similar concept with, with Palantir, with their program. But we're certainly looking at other things like maybe a SWIR camera, maybe... What if we did RF sensors? Because that, I think once you put other modalities, like imagine if you were able to do GPS interference detection on your spacecraft, you may be able to do something where you can cross queue from one spacecraft to the next one that's coming ultimately and say, there's an interference going on here. Maybe it's troops moving into the area and they've set up a GPS interference system. So it would make you want to look there and see what you can see. So your advantage longer term will be the size and the, let's say the size of your constellation and then the hosting capabilities, whether it's constellation as a service or hosted payload, right? There's room on your constellation for other missions. Yeah. I think that, I think, and more importantly too, there is room on our satellites for domestic industry to get experience in space. And so a customer like Albania or or any other customer who would want to be involved in responsive space can immediately and cost-effectively get their industry engaged in this program. So it's not just Satellogic delivering satellites, it's Satellogic working with the community to, to build a domestically joint capability for launch. So I think that's a very powerful part of the story that, that it's not just about Satellogic, it's about the customer and their industry community getting, getting airtime, essentially, in space. So where do you expect to see the most innovation in the Earth observation market going forward? Is it on in a certain market? Is it a certain type of, let's say, a certain innovation related to, I know resolution is key, right? Better cameras, there's now unfolding telescopes and things like that, or where do you see some of the key innovations on the horizon? Yeah, I think one is getting the cost down, getting capacity up, selling in a very different path, which is like the one MDU, minimum deliverable unit, where a customer comes and buys a small amount of data and that unlocks anybody almost who wants to get access to historical information of the earth at a high resolution. So it's useful. I think, okay. So then outside of that, I I think that there's really interesting areas of cross-modality tip and queue, like operational tip and queue. I I mean, I I came from a maritime domain awareness business, and that's what I used to do and build product for that. But I think that the opportunity to do machine to machine tip and queue is is here. And now it's like, well, what can you do with that? And if you put an RF sensor on our spacecraft and did it on every spacecraft, what would that look like? And what could you do? And then how do you operationalize these, these types of capabilities? 
I think that'll be a brave new world. I think the on on orbit edge compute is another like very interesting aspect of the market that is only just getting going. Like Satellogic has been very encouraging of doing this. We've got two main major customers who are like signed contracts with us to do it, but we are incredibly well positioned to do edge compute leadership. And if if we can provide the infrastructure for communications processing, we could be doing things like beaming just vessel detections and and metadata and classification and I don't know and more straight to a battleship through some kind of satcom link and with like minutes of delay. So that kind of thing is something that is unlocked through GPS, GPU technology, edge computing, a fast iteration on spacecraft. That's another part of it too, because you because once you're up in space, it's harder to change things. Going back to that that example of the feed direct to, you said a battleship, I think. Is that almost like a the, the next generation of surveillance where you would send out a UAV and it would look and send a feed directly to somebody who's trying to get a battlefield read, but now instead of a UAV, you have a whole satellite constellation? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you could imagine, I was talking object detection, but what if you did processing uh, on orbit and found a way to get the data down specifically to the warfighter, which is a classic term in, in theater, right? That could be really interesting. I think on you, you could also work with uh, financial monitoring companies who how there was this the hummingbird project they wanted to get that line between the two trading houses the shortest possible well what if you knew what the the supply chain situation was before anybody else because you've built an edge compute capability on the spacecraft that says here is all the containers in this port and i know the moment the spacecraft has come over the the site right you're not waiting any hours you're getting the data right away yeah that's really cool so you're really taking something that was this giant multi-million dollar 10 years in the making hunking piece of metal going into orbit not being able to do much to now being like this edge computing almost cloud node if you will doing very sophisticated stuff and getting it down to whoever needs it in the most efficient and immediate way that's a rethinking entirely of what a satellite is yeah, I agree. And and I think as long as you let your customers lead you, everything's going to be okay. Sweet. Well, thanks a lot, Mark, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, John. Okay, that was a really fantastic conversation with Mark. We're going to continue our focus on the Earth observation industry for the next several months. Upcoming conversations are with Hawkeye 360, Ursa, Wyvern, and Black Sky. So I also want to mention at this time that we're going to be doing a webinar series on the EO market. We're going to be talking to some of the major players, looking at a broad range of issues from satellite designs to imagery types to industries being served. There's so much going on in the Earth observation market. So we look forward to having this guided tour and sharing it with you. More on that later. And for now, thank you very much and goodbye.